Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 116 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. Last week I asked the Facebook group members for ideas for podcast episodes and they came up with lots of great ideas and this episode is a mixture of suggestions from David Snyder from Georgia and now I am going to apologize to him for my pronunciation. It's Low Logston Koalape from Hawaii. So I really hope I didn't butcher that. Anyway, if you want him on uh, social media, look up. I think it's Tattooed Welder. So do a search for him. He does some nice pictures. Anyway, they want to hear about setting up a camera in manual mode for different situations. So I'm going to go over sports, portraits, and landscapes. Just a little bit of diversity so you can see different ways of going about it. Now, the one thing I don't want you to think you're going to get out of this is one setting for each one. That's not how it works. New photographers are always asking what is the best setting for weddings or portraits. And the answer is it depends on the available light and what you're trying to capture. The three settings you're going to use are aperture, shutter speed and ISO. And the aim is to use these settings to balance the light meter. Just remember you use these settings to control how much light gets onto the camera sensor. If you don't get the right amount of light, it will, it will be either underexposed, too dark, or overexposed, too bright. So let's go over what each of these do. And I'm going to start with aperture. The aperture setting controls aperture blades that are inside the lens. The higher the F number you use, the smaller the aperture or hole is at the center of the aperture blades. Small apertures like F16 don't allow much light to pass through. Now, an aperture of 1.8 lets lots of light through. The best lenses that have maximum apertures of 2.8, 1.8, 1.4, and even 1.2 are used by professionals because they let so much light through. Hobbyist zoom lenses generally have a variable aperture range of 4.5 to 5.6 and they don't let much light in. A side effect of the aperture setting is the depth of field. That is the amount of in-focus detail in front and behind the point that you focus on. Here's an example. You're about to shoot a portrait using a Canon T7 body with a 50mm 1.8 lens. The subject is 8 feet in front of you and you have the aperture set to 1.8. The depth of field would be six inches. If you focused on the subject's eye, everything three inches in front of the eye and three inches behind the eye would be in focus. So pretty much everything behind the subject would be soft and out of focus. And that is perfect for a portrait. But if you use F16 from eight feet away from the subject, the depth of field would be 60 inches, 10 times the amount. That's 21 inches in front of the subject's eye, if you're focusing on the eye, and 39 inches behind. You would have more detail in the background, and that can be really distracting in a portrait. Now, if you're new to this podcast, you're probably wondering how I know these distances. Well, there's an app for that. It's called Photo Pills, and it's free. I'll put a link in the show notes for you, and also on the website. So for the website, you go to photographysidehustle.com forward slash 116 and the transcript for this episode and any links that I mentioned will be there. Also the recording, but if you're listening to this, you've already got the recording, so it's of no use to you. Anyway, the main thing you need to know is that depth of field 
is important to understand. So you need to download photo pills, work out how much depth of field you need for each shot. It won't take long before you don't need the app. You really need to learn this though. Okay, next is shutter speed. So the shutter is positioned in front of the camera sensor. The light comes through the lens and the next barrier in front of it as it comes in is the shutter. The faster the shutter speed is, the less light gets onto the sensor. The slower that the shutter opens and closes, more light gets onto the sensor. So just think your front door and the sun's shining in. If you close it, open it and close it really quick, a little bit of light comes through. But if you do it really slow, lots of light comes through. Now, the question you need to ask yourself is, what do I need to do to capture my subject? Is the subject an athlete that's sprinting? If it is a fast athlete, you would need a very fast shutter speed to freeze the action and capture them in motion. Trying to freeze the action with a shutter speed that's too slow will cause the subject to be blurry. If you're shooting a landscape, then you can put your camera on a tripod and you can use a very slow shutter speed like half a second, one second, as long as you like really. Once you know what is needed, you can choose the shutter speed that will capture your subject. Next is ISO. The ISO setting changes how sensitive the sensor is to light. ISO 100 isn't very sensitive, but ISO 6400, 6400 is very sensitive. So if you need to shoot a fast shutter speed, but there isn't enough light, you can turn the ISO up to a higher number. And I'll explain how and when to use it later. Now, the next tool you're going to use to measure and control those three things I've just said, the aperture, the shutter speed, and the ISO, is the light meter. Now, this meter can be seen in your viewfinder or on the rear LCD screen. The aim is to keep the marker in the center of the meter. That's all you've got to do. It's very simple. If the marker is on the minus side, the image will be underexposed. If the marker is on the plus side, the image will be overexposed and too bright. Okay, let's put all this information to work and look at the framework. The first thing you're going to do is figure out what aperture to use. What depth of field do I need to get everything I want in focus? Number two is what shutter speed do I need to use? And number three is what ISO do I need to balance the light meter? If you use this framework, you'll find shooting in manual mode an absolute breeze. You just need to practice, practice, practice until it becomes a habit. So let's use the framework to shoot sports. Okay, so David, who asked one of the questions, covers a lot of mountain bike events. The racers come down a trail from the top of a hillside and most of his shots seem to be in heavily wooded areas and there isn't an awful lot of light. So the first thing I would do is find a position where the light is coming in from behind you. If you shoot into the sun, you will have trouble getting the autofocus to work, especially if you're using a, a cheaper hobbyist lens. With the sun behind you, your subjects are going to be lit properly instead of being silhouetted. The other option is to stand to the side of the trail with a shorter lens and pan as riders go by. Again, you'll want to do it with the sun behind you. Okay, with that out of the way, let's go through the framework. The first thing we're going to figure out is what depth of field is needed. Now, if you use a professional 70 to 200 millimeter 2.8 zoom lens at 50 feet from the subject with an aperture of 2.8, 
and you're zoomed in all the way to 200 millimeters, the depth of field would be approximately 12 inches in front and 12 inches behind the focus point. If you zoomed out as the competitor came towards you and you zoomed out to 100 millimeters and they were 25 feet in front of you, the depth of field would be pretty much the same. So using 2.8 will get the riders in focus and the background out of focus, which is exactly what you want. Now, I know that David is currently using a a hobbyist lens, which is a 75 to 300, and it's got a variable aperture of f4 to 5.6, which is not ideal, and it is not the fastest uh, focusing lens. Plus, it's not the sharpest either. Due to the aperture changing as the lens is zoomed in and out, It's easier to set the aperture at 5.6, which is what it would be if you were at 300 millimeters. So the reason for doing this is so that as they come towards you, you can zoom out and get it all the way down to 75 millimeters and they're really close to you and it would still be at 5.6. You don't have to change anything else. But the problem he'll have is a deeper depth of field. Now at 50 feet, If he only went to 200 millimeters, not 300 at 5.6, the depth of field is approximately 24 inches in front and the same behind. So the depth of field is getting, it's it's getting quite big at four feet, basically. Now, if you want to get both wheels in focus, clear focus, which you really don't need, everyone knows what a wheel looks like. You don't need to get sharp focus on them. It would be okay, but it just seems a little bit too much. So think about how much of the subject you want in focus. Use photo pills to figure this out and set your aperture. The next thing we're going to consider is the shutter speed. Now for a fast moving sport like mountain bikes, your aim is to freeze the action. A shutter speed of 1 25th of a second. Okay, I'm not going to keep saying 1 this of a second. I'll just say the number. So A shutter speed of 125 wouldn't be fast enough and the subject would be blurry. For mountain bikes, you would need, say, 1000 or higher to freeze them. Now, you need to set the shutter speed to the lowest that you could get away with. So if 1000 will freeze the action and say 800 won't, 1000 is the number you're going to go with. In a lot of cases, the only way to find out is to actually take pictures, look at the images in the back of the camera, and if it's slightly blurry, speed it up. But we're going to go with a 1,000. I would bet money on it that a 1,000 would be fine for shooting mountain bikes. So set it to a 1,000, and it's going to freeze the action, but you're not going to set it higher than a 1,000 at this point. Not just yet. I'll explain a little bit more later. Okay, so set the shutter speed to 1,000, the... Aperture set at 2.8, or in David's case, 5.6. Next is ISO. So we're going to start with an ISO of 100. We'll go as low as we can. You can go low on a lot of cameras, but let's just stick it at 100. So once you've done that, I want you to, I want you to look at the light meter. Is the marker on the plus or minus side of the meter? If it's on the plus side, you have too much light. So to reduce the amount of light coming in, you can turn the shutter speed up until the meter is balanced. That is, the marker is in the center of the meter. Now, you could reduce your aperture size by using a higher F number, but we're using the aperture setting to give the correct depth of field needed, so we don't want to change it. Speeding up the shutter setting until the meter is balanced is fine. It will still freeze the action. In fact, it'll freeze it even better than 1,000, 
Going below a thousand though would cause you problems. As I said before, if it was 800, everything's blurry. You've got to be at least a thousand. So speeding it up is not going to cause any problems. If the marker is on the minus side of the light meter, it indicates not enough light. The aperture is locked in and we don't want to change that. Because there isn't enough light coming in, we would have to reduce the shutter speed below 1000, which we can't do. 1000 is our minimum to freeze the action. So we need to increase the ISO to a higher number until the light meter is balanced. Now there is a trick. If you need to increase the ISO to balance the meter, you can set it to auto and not worry about it. But only do this once you've gone through these steps. Don't do it straight away because you can you can guess at your shutter speed and you might put it at 4,000 and your ISO might be up at, well, it could be up at 4,000, 6,400, whatever, and you'll end up with very grainy pictures. So you want to do it with a little bit of control. All right, let's have a look, quick look at portraits. So we need to go through the exact same process that we've just done with sports. The first question, what depth of field do we need? Now for a headshot, you can get away with a very shallow depth of field, say two or three inches in front and in the rear. For group shots, you need to guesstimate the distance from the person closest to you to the person furthest away. So let's say it's three feet. You're going to be using the same Canon T7 body with a 24 to 70 millimeter 2.8 lens and you're going to have it set at 36 millimeters and you're going to be 12 feet from the group that you're going to be taking the picture of. The depth of field would be 19 inches in front of the group and 25 inches behind the focus point, which will be the person closest to you. So you needed a rear depth of field of three feet, 36 inches, but this setting only gives you 25 inches. This would cause the people furthest away from the camera to be out of focus. Now, if we change the aperture to f4, you'll see in photo pills that the depth of field behind the focus point would be close to, well, slightly over 38 inches, which is perfect. It gives you an extra couple of inches to be safe. Now, if you're guesstimating the distance from the front to the back person is wrong, you can screw up doing this. So the best thing to do is take an image, zoom in on your LCD screen and see if the people at the back are sharp, just as sharp as the people at the front. And it's, it's quite an easy thing to do. If they're not, just change your aperture setting to a higher number. It'll give you slightly more depth of field. Now, once you've got your aperture locked in, next is your shutter speed. Now, for non-moving subjects, it can be slow. If you're hand-holding around 125 or 250 if there are kids in the group. It's no good getting all the adults nice and sharp and the kids slightly blurry because they can't stay still. So make sure you have a shutter speed that will freeze the action. Even if they're standing still or sitting still, if there's kids, just speed it up a little bit just to be safe. Now, ISO, this is the same process as we did for the sports. Set the ISO to 100 and check the meter. If it's on the plus side, you've got too much light, turn up the shutter speed until the meter is balanced. If it's on the minus side and there's not enough light coming in, turn the ISO up to a higher number until the meter is balanced. It's that simple. And next one, let's have a look at landscapes. And same again with landscapes. Again, we're going to go through this little framework. First thing to set is your depth of field, your aperture. Now for landscapes, you want everything to be in focus from say 10 feet in front of the camera to the mountains in the background to infinity. 
to infinity and beyond if possible. So we're going to be using the Canon T7 again as an example with the 24-70 zoom lens. And we're going to have it set at 24 millimeters this time to get as wide a picture as you can for the, the landscape picture, which I generally like that. Now, there's a. I want you to picture this. Picture this in your mind's eye. There's a kayak tied to a dock about 150 feet from the camera. Across the lake is a hillside with trees in full fall or autumn colours, if you're in Britain. Your focus point is the kayak. Now, a great starting point for landscape apertures is f11. You're not going to go wrong. If you stuck everything at f11, you'd be pretty much bang on most times. You will probably use it for 95% of your photos. So set it to f11. So 24 millimeters at 150 feet from your focus point gives you a depth of field in front of the kayak of 142 feet. That means that only 8 feet in front of the camera will be out of focus. The rear depth of field will be infinity and beyond. And everything behind the kayak will be in focus. Everything. There's nothing that won't be in focus. It, to infinity, everything's going to be there. So you've got the perfect setting for a landscape. So start with f11. We've got 24 millimeters. The focus point is 150 feet ahead. And the depth of field is gives you only eight feet in front of the camera out of focus. And everything from that point to the very back of the image is all going to be in sharp focus. Now, next is your shutter speed for a landscape. Now, if you're shooting landscape, you're more than likely using a tripod. This allows you to use slower shutter speeds and keep the camera dead still. Now, if it's a little windy, you might want a shutter speed that will keep any trees or plants that are in your foreground from moving in the wind because you need them to be frozen. So a slightly faster shutter speed, if there is something moving in the scene, you need to freeze it. But for this photo, the water is calm, there's no wind, and the sun is about to rise. So you set the shutter speed to 60, 160th. Next, we'll have a look at the ISO. Okay, so we set the ISO like normal to 100. If the marker on the light meter is on the plus side, we have too much light. You need to turn up your shutter speed until the meter is balanced. If it's on the minus side of the light meter, there's not enough light coming in. We could turn the ISO up to a higher number to balance a meter, but we're using a tripod and that allows us to use really slow shutter speeds and that will let more light in. So instead of changing the ISO, which would give you a really grainy image, the higher the ISO goes, well, not really grainy, but it will make grain in your image. We're going to change the shutter speed instead to a lower number until the meter is balanced. Now, all of this is a matter of practice until it becomes a habit. Don't be put off. Keep at it and use this three-step framework. It really is doable. You practice this for a week, I'm sure. It just gets easier and easier, and eventually your brain just thinks in those steps. It's so easy. Okay, that's all I've got for this episode. If you need help with anything, you can find me in the Facebook group like normal. I also want to remind you about my Photoshop course. There's a link in the show notes or you can go to photographysidehustle.com and there's a link there. Right, I'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.